1: All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender.
2: Hey, welcome to the show, everyone. I hope everyone was involved in that great ADA 25 celebration. But you know what? It's not over because now we have to work on the next 25 years and what we're going to do in the disability community to move forward. But I have to tell you, sometimes we don't think about other groups that also have people with disabilities. And that is one of the reasons I was very excited about this show today, because this is one group where, sadly, I think we don't think about that. Uh, today's show is very disturbing, and yet it is so important for everyone to hear and to understand. Um, as I said, I have this guest on because many people do not realize how many women, children, and men are victims of physical abuse uh, and verbal abuse, have disabilities such as PTSD and or other mental health issues as a result of very brutal violence. And hopefully we can bring that to everyone's attention today. It is my pleasure to have as our guest Cheryl Regan, the CEO of the Women's Center and Shelter of Greater Pittsburgh. Welcome to the show, Cheryl.
3: Well, thank you. I am very honored to be part of your show today, Joyce.
2: Well, Cheryl, for our listeners across the country, how did you first
3: become involved with the Women's Center and Shelter of Greater Pittsburgh? Well, I started my work in a small shelter in a small town as a volunteer. I'd heard about the um, domestic violence shelter needing volunteers to come in and just help run support groups or work, uh, spend time with the children. And from the first day that I walked in, I have been committed to helping individuals free themselves from intimate partner violence and to live lives of safety. It is a fascinating world to work in. There are so many people that, that I've been able and privileged to meet and to watch their strength and resiliency as they progress along their road to um, full life. Well, I'm sure
2: that that is just something you can't even put a price tag on.
3: No, not at all. I, I have been privileged every day. Uh, for about the last 38 years, actually, to have something that I care so much about and that's been such a meaningful part of my life um, every day to get up and know that um, the work that I do really makes a difference.
2: You know, and I'll tell you something. Many people say to me, because I've been on a lifelong crusade for the employment of people with disabilities, and that's what it is. Like, that's what you're doing. You're on a crusade. Yes, because yes. it just becomes so much a part of you and so important to you and such a passion that it really, it's not like a job, it's like a crusade.
3: It is what I want to do with my life, yes.
2: So how about telling us about the uh, Women's Center and Shelter of Greater Pittsburgh, PA, such as what
3: what do you do, what do you provide, and what is the size? Well, for for our organization, we work with victims of intimate partner violence and their children. Most of the time, we're talking about women who call and request services, but there are some men out there who also need help. And so our program's available to them. One of the things I want to mention, Joyce, is there's a domestic violence program near every one of your listeners. Um, They can find out that information by looking at at the United Way in their area for their helplines and to find some place to go. Everyone offers a little bit of different service, but everybody's there to help people who are in violent relationships. So as far as Women's centers concerned, we start with we have a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week hotline. That's for anybody to call and talk about their abuse or even if they're not quite ready. Most people call the first time and say, you know, I'm in this relationship and I don't know if it's abusive or not because this is what's happening. And so we're here to, to listen and to help people look at where they can go for help. The other nice thing that I really like about the hotline is you can be anonymous. So if you want to just use the hotline service and you don't ever want to tell us what your name is, that's fine. Because so many times victims are embarrassed that they're in this situation that they don't want anybody to know who they are. One of the other things our hotline can do is they help you look at what kind of service you might need and where you can go for help. So, for example, Women's Center has a temporary emergency shelter, so if you're in a situation where your life is being threatened, you can come here and stay with us for up to 60 days. We can then help you uh, find another safe place to go Afterwards, most of the people who come and stay with us at our shelter come to us from the police. Another thing that maybe you don't need shelter, but you want to talk to somebody. Maybe you had a relationship some years ago where you were abused, and the trauma of that is still impacting how you live your life today. So we have a non-resident program, uh, like a day program, where people can come and spend some time talking to a counselor and talking to other women who have been in like situations. Because one of the things we know about trauma is that victims heal best in a group sitting with other people who know what they're talking about and who have been where they are. Most of the time, victims of intimate partner violence think they're the only person this has ever happened to. And when you come into a program, you start to realize it isn't because I'm a bad person. It isn't because I did something bad or there's something wrong with me that I'm being beaten. It's because in this country, we allow it to happen. And that is one of the first things about learning how to move on with your life. We can offer, also offer a daycare for the children while you're in shelter or while you're in a counseling program. We also have um, legal advocates If you decide to use the justice system and you want to ask for a protection from abuse order, we will go with you because going to court can be very intimidating. And our job is not to be your attorney, but to help you understand what's going to happen, what can happen, what won't happen, and to help you with emotional support. So those are primarily the services that most people take advantage of that we use. Most recently, we started running programs for men who are abusers, who have been court-ordered to go to counseling. And we started that program because we were so dissatisfied with the other programs that were happening in our community. We believed that they were actually making the men more dangerous, better abusers, and that if we were ever going to help people have relationships where they're safe, we needed to start working with both partners. So that's the other program we're doing now. Wow. Well, how large? How large is this shelter? So our program, we serve about 7,500 victims a year. Oh, Uh, my goodness. Yes, and that's only touching uh, the number of people who need help. It's only because we can't hire more staff, that we can't reach more people, but 7,500 individuals a year with any one of our services. That does not include the men's program. That's something separate. But those are victims that we are working with. Uh, People just have no idea how prevalent this issue is. I think people are starting to understand, but there's lots of statistics, different studies that show maybe one in four, maybe one in three. I think from my experience that it's more like one in two out of every two of us either have been abused or know somebody that has been abused. So that's a large number of people in this country who are suffering in silence. Oh,
2: my goodness. Yes, and I have more to talk about with that. But right now we have a caller on the line. Chris, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Hi. Hi, Chris. And Chris is calling Hi. in from?
3: Boston.
2: Boston. Okay, Chris, go ahead. Hi.
3: I, I was just wondering, you know, I work in the disability rights field, you know, as does uh, does Joyce, uh, who focuses on employment uh, and civil rights for people with disabilities. And I can't help but wonder how many of these women either have disabilities to begin with or certainly acquire one uh, after experiencing domestic abuse? And maybe how many of these families have kids with disabilities uh, that, you know, seem to exacerbate this situation? Um, Do you have any idea? Is anyone studying that? I don't think anybody knows the exact number. One of the... um sad things about working in the field of intimate partner violence is that it's still a brand new field and we don't know a lot about it. There haven't been a lot of studies and I cannot quote right now anything that I've read that would tell me how prevalent it is, but again, if we go back to as a nation, I believe one out of every two, I don't think that's any different in the disabilities community. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. This is certainly a a fascinating topic and something that we all need to, to deal with. But thank, thank you. Thank you.
2: And Chris Griffin, thank you for calling in.
3: Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, Joyce.
2: You're welcome. See, I have no doubt in my mind that if someone would do a study, that yes, you do have a large portion of victims with disabilities. And why I say that is, you know, when people talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, frequently they're talking about servicemen and women that have seen something traumatic, uh, you know, in Iraq or Afghanistan, that come back to the United States having a hard time dealing with that. But any woman that would experience a traumatic event such as, violence to her, violence to her children, um, I guarantee you that person is going to be a a person diagnosed
3: with post-traumatic stress disorder. So Joyce, one of the things that we did a couple years ago was try to identify of the people that we serve that would agree to to go into a study, how many of them actually had post-traumatic stress. What was interesting is that As we did the interviews, people would say, I'm not post-anything. I'm still living in fear. So I would agree with you that a lot have post-traumatic stress, and we just aren't identifying it.
2: Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I I am sure of that um, because, as I said, sometimes when I go to a company about employing people with disabilities, it sort of bothers me when they have left out that group because what is post-traumatic stress disorder? It's going through or seeing something very traumatic that then maybe later on, maybe it's a song that you hear that maybe the intimate partner uh, always played or maybe it's the scent, the smell of the cologne that this person always wore. It's something or just actual Uh, someone touching you, many, many women would have, under those circumstances, post-traumatic stress disorder, and actually are covered under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, And right now, because of Section 503 of the Rehabilitation Act, which is affirmative action... For federal contractors to employ people with disabilities which is new and is having a tremendous impact those women would be people that would be qualified under that program so I hope something happens where at some point there is more attention and more studies done in this area Uh, but I'm not surprised there are people that would raise their hand and say yes I was a victim of domestic abuse, but not want people to know they have post-traumatic stress disorder, which is
3: unbelievable, but that is reality. I, I think I agree with you on that. I'm not quite so sure how comfortable people will be even to raise their hand to say they have been a victim because still there's a stigma attached to saying, yes, I was in a relationship where someone was hurting me.
2: Mm -hmm. Because
3: there's still the thinking that if you're in that type of a relationship, you must want to be. And Mm -hmm. we know that's not true. People stay in relationships for many reasons, but it's never because they like to be hurt. They stay because they've made commitments because of their religion, because of their family, because of their children, because, and this is the big one that most people don't understand, is the abuser is not always abusive. In most relationships, there are periods of good times. And so we do keep hoping that those, that period will come back again. One of the yeah. things that we... Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. So one of the things that we do know, though, and what I would really want to get out to your listeners is how important it is to reach out for help and stop the violence now because it just gets worse over time. If today somebody hits the wall and tomorrow they come close to hitting your face, the next time it's much easier to hit you because it's been practicing and building up. And that's what I want people to know. That the violence doesn't get less. It increases, and it becomes more dangerous. But, and here's the thing, back to your point, Joyce, once you've had this experience, this trauma, you may be less likely to be able to help yourself. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. of all the things that go on with trauma that's going on within you, which is why it's so important to help reach out and to ask somebody else to help you think through a situation.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: No and one should is tell why, you what to do.
2: Right. That is why uh, when I thought about the shelter, I thought, you know, here I am fighting for the employment of people with disabilities, and I just know whether it is emotional, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, or actually... Uh, a a sustained injury that left a permanent, burning, whatever it would be. These are people with disabilities that also have a right to employment and dignity, and there isn't anything that can help restore that like employment. But, of course, now that I've said that, there are also women gainfully employed, who are victims of abuse. And I think that's what really shocked me the most, that our perception of all of this is not really accurate. Um, you know, we envision maybe uh, someone in a totally different situation that would be a victim, but that's not true. And I went to your website, which I would encourage everyone to go to this website. I mean, I watched those vignettes, and, oh, my God, they mm-hmm. are so, so powerful and just really unbelievable. Really, you know, everyone should make a donation to this group. And if you're wondering about it, go to the website and watch one of those vignettes. Just watch one. And, by the way, what is your website while we're on the subject?
3: Well, you can go to Women's Center and Shelter of Greater Pittsburgh, Um and it will come up, and I cannot think of what the website's name is right now. That's um, all right.
2: <laughs> Women's Center and Shelter uh, of Greater, Pittsburgh. Of, of Greater okay. Pittsburgh. I would suggest for anyone that you go, watch that vignette, and I'm going to tell you you'll be making a contribution. But in the meantime, I was shocked by the website, but even more by the story. Statistics. I don't think people could possibly envision that one in four w- women are victims of severe domestic violence. Um, and so many people, including me, would never think this. Just as you said, that one in two, either a victim or know someone,
1: mm-hmm. that is,
2: is just mind-boggling. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, you know, why do you think it is that, that people don't realize this. And,
3: uh, you know, is that correct when I said one in four? One in four of severe abuse. And what I said is some statistics show one in six, some show one in four. And when I add or know somebody, we can go to one in two. So uh, it depends on what you're using as your definition. But I think... We don't want to believe that that is happening in our country. We don't want to believe that this is an issue that we haven't solved, if we even believed it was a problem. And I think part of the reason why people have trouble believing that it's happening is because it's so horrible. How could it be true? How could it be true that people are not safe in their homes? We watch every night where people are not safe in their communities. But people have a hard time understanding, oh, it starts in the home. So if your home's not safe, then you're going to take that out into your community. So I ask people now, as you start to listen to the news, read the newspaper, uh, watch TV, whenever you hear of a homicide where the wife or the husband has been murdered or the boyfriend Start to listen to was it a partner who was involved in this?
2: Right. And frequently it is. And you know, I want to just mention one thing. I've had people I talk to about this, and they say to me, they say, you know what? Wow, any man that would hit a woman, they must have, uh, they must be people with a mental health issue or something. And But what is amazing is I don't think they realize that it's this, you know, one or two person with serious issues. I mean, look how, look
3: how widespread this is, what you just said. Right. It's not about, for most people, it's not about a mental health issue. And the way that I look at it is if it's a mental health issue, then you're violent with everybody. Mm-hmm. You don't decide not to be violent with your boss. Mm -hmm. you don't Mm -hmm. decide not to be violent with the police officer Mm -hmm. because being violent with your partner is a choice. Mm -hmm. You make a choice to do that because you can make choices not to do it anyplace else. Mm -hmm. It's really about power and control. And the need to have control over the situation, usually it's about needing to, to not feel what's going on inside of you. Uh, I don't want to demonize men who are abusive because they're not demons. They're the people who live next door to you. How many times do we see news shows where you're interviewing the neighbor where a man has just killed his wife, and they say, but he was the nicest guy? You know, you hear that all the time, or you'd, you'd never know. Well, yes, he can be the nicest guy, but at that moment, he's not. And any one of us, and it's a choice that's made. And that's what we're trying with our work with men, is to help them see they can learn to be different. If it's a mental health problem, then that's very different. And you need some different kind of approaches to work with it. But for a man who's abusive in his home but no place else, but I can tell you he's probably pretty controlling at work. If you work for him, you probably think, Oh, yeah, I'm not surprised, because he has some controlling tendencies mm-hmm. that you'll be able to see. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Yeah, that and that's why people miss all of this.
3: Mm-hmm. Because it Absolutely. never would
2: occur to them that it would be, as you said, uh, the neighbor. Because as I mentioned before, many people envision women who are abused as, oh, they're probably women in poverty or homeless or have low-income jobs or... Uh, substance abuse or whatever, but, but that isn't true, is it? I mean, there are women with jobs, professional jobs, that you would never in a million years think
3: this is happening to, and it is. One of the women on the vignettes that you mentioned professional women a woman and she said you would never believe this was happening to me because I was tough I dealt with board members I was very successful in my career but I changed when I got home and that's the part that happens the vignettes I wanted to get back to that for a moment we're in the process of making vignettes we're always adding to the website because we wanted to show the many faces of domestic violence so we're not finished making them yet there'll always be new ones coming it it depends on whether we have a victim who's willing to come forward and to go on camera and that can often be a place where people aren't ready but there are men there are children there are women who are very rich and married to politicians there are that this happens to there are people who are married to judges that this happens to people who live with police officers, that this happens to. It happens in same-sex relationships. It happens in the disability community.
2: Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, one of your vignettes is a woman married uh, who was married to a police officer, and Mm -hmm. and that too shocked me. Um, But hopefully, with everything we're talking about, it will bring more awareness And help. And before I go to break, if you're listening to the show, and if you are a victim of domestic abuse or violence, don't be silent. Ask for help. Speak out. Someone will help you. But right now, we're going to go to break. If you just joined in, we've been talking to Cheryl Regan, the CEO of the Women's Center and Shelter of Greater Pittsburgh. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice. Where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Cheryl.
4: News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes.
1: And www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated. Providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom, and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com The
4: Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
1: If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender.
2: Hey, welcome back, everyone. Today, we're talking to Cheryl Regan, CEO of the Women's Center and Shelter of Greater Pittsburgh. And you know, I want to make sure um, that I do something Cheryl mentioned at break, because it is so important if you are a victim of domestic abuse, or if you are calling for someone else who 799 is, 1-800-799-7233 is the national hotline, one 799 7233 and Cheryl, they will direct that person
3: where? They will direct the person, they'll talk to them first, uh, gather some information, make sure they're safe, and then they will work with them to find the closest domestic violence program to where they live. Okay. Mm 1-800-799-7233. Joyce, the other thing I wanted to mention is that Women's Center and Shelter developed an app called Are You Safe? And it works on Android or iPhones it's free. It is part of a questionnaire that we ask people, and it helps you identify if you're in a really lethal, dangerous, close to homicide relationship. And at the end of the questionnaire, it allows you to call your local police or your local domestic violence program. So, I just want to put it out there. It's Are You Safe? It's available across the country, and it will help you get in touch with your uh, local DV program. And where do they get this again? Uh, On the App Store, either for Apple or Android.
2: Okay, iPhone or Androids. Okay, Are You Safe app. That is a great idea, and uh, again, could be something that saves your life. So I would say that's really important and, a, and something really that it's for free. What a great thing that is. Hey, Cheryl, something I wanted to talk to you about. You know, we're talking about women, uh, but there are also female teenagers. And, uh, you know, I had a parent say to me one day, wow, I would never thought this you know, from a dating situation, never. But I'm sure that also happens
3: more than people think. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Yes, unfortunately, I can talk about the what happens in dating relationships. We're talking about teenagers. Um, and it's becoming even more of a problem in teenage relationships with all the technology that we now have available to us. But it's the same situation as it is with an adult you start to see somebody you really like that person they want to be with you all the time they want to know where you are all the time they don't want you to talking to anybody else and we can in the beginning think that's really flattering as they really care about us that they want to be with us all the time but in fact it could be a real sign of a controlling person And so teenagers, most of them have phones. Most of them get texts all the time. Where are you? Who are you talking to? It can be a very dangerous situation. And unfortunately, in Allegheny County, where we live, we've had several teenagers um, murdered at the hands of their teenage boyfriend. Several years ago, we started doing some programs in the high school, and the students told us, no, high school's too late if you want to do prevention work. And we said, said, oh, so we said, okay, let's go to middle school. They said, no, middle school's too late. It's already starting to happen. If you really want to do prevention, you have to start in grade school. And you have to do it like you would do anything else about not bullying because it's about the same. You could think of it in the same way. Wow. But yeah, isn't that's
2: that terrible. That is shocking to me. Are there any? You, you mentioned uh, for a teenager listening right now. You mentioned a couple things. You're saying if their boyfriend uh, is wanting control of them all the time, where are you? Where are you going? And possibly does not want them going. Right. Isn't that
3: a potential sign? Yeah, it is absolutely one of the potential signs, but it's also what happens sometimes in a healthy relationship in the very beginning. And that's what makes these relationships so dangerous is you can't always tell right away. It's only after you get to see a pattern of behavior that you can tell it's turning into an abusive one. Most relationships don't start off with somebody hitting you. Most relationships start out With people being in love and wanting to be together all the time. So just being aware of that and, and watching for all the other signs. And again, uh, teenagers can call the national hotline and talk to someone or get referred to programs geared just for teenagers, uh, which I think is really important.
2: And I hope people are listening and taking that seriously because, you know, I'm still not over the, the teenagers telling you to go back all the way to elementary school. Yes. It just yes. so Isn't reminds me. Yes. Well, you know what? High school students with disabilities are brutally bullied. And they the other are. day, oh yes. And the other day, an executive called me from a corporation here in Pittsburgh and said, listen, my grandson has spina bifida and he's being bullied at school. Um, and these kids got him and put him on the ground, and they were hitting his stomach. I said, oh, my God, where that's is he? Horrible. What high school is that? He said, oh, he's five. <gasps> oh, that's heartbreaking. And the, other, and the other kids were five. So this goes to your point that I have had people say to me, don't, you've got to go all the way back. You've got to go all the way back and tell kids it isn't funny to hit someone with Down syndrome. Right. You know, it isn't funny to push someone. Um, so there you go. You're going through the exact same thing with mm-hmm. what you're talking about.
3: Absolutely. So,
2: so what happens, and I was going to ask you this earlier, when you talked about the time they can stay with you, my mm-hmm. question is, all right, what happens to a woman? She's at home. Uh, you know, she needs to get out, uh, but she doesn't
3: want the person to know where she's going. How does that work? Well, for most domestic violence programs, if you call their hotline, that's how you. We still get people still get in touch with our programs, and talk to them and find out if you can go there, because sometimes there's no room, Um, and that's the sad state of where affairs right now. For example, our program has been over capacity for the last five years meaning we take in more people than we're allowed by code because they're in such dangerous situations. So I wouldn't want anybody to just show up at a program because they may not have space for you. They might be able to put you up for a night, but that wouldn't be good enough. Um, So talking to someone, if you're in immediate danger, call 911, call the police, make sure that you are safe. So many of us go, I'm embarrassed better embarrassed than dead better embarrassed and find out yes this can happen no it can't but here's where else you can go and be ready to make some additional attempts people want to help you we just need to get connected to you and with with so much going on in this country, not everybody has the capacity to meet every need at every moment, but it doesn't mean that they can't meet a need to get you to the next step, and that's, that's what I want people to hear. What we know about people who, is that if you reach out for help and somebody can't help you that minute, you think someone's never going to help you. That's not always true, so start with the hotline. Hotlines are actually lifelines and that they can help you figure out safety plans and emotional safety plans and next steps. So,
2: okay, so the woman calls the police because she's in imminent danger, and then he would or she would take that person somewhere. Is that what you
3: mean? Yes, yes. Because there's
2: more than one shelter in Pittsburgh.
3: There is. Now, it depends on which location, geographic location you're in. Um, There are three domestic violence shelters in Allegheny County because there's such a need. And this is not homeless shelters. This is shelters just for women who are living in homes where it's not safe. Uh, So depending on what part of the city you're in, which shelter you would go to. And yeah, because my... that
2: would be a horrific situation. If you finally did get out of the house, you know, you, you need to go somewhere, you don't have family, um, you know, I'm not sure what you would do then. I guess you would call uh, possibly this number or some other number so that at least someone could direct them somewhere. Is that, is that right. what would if happen? Call...
3: Right. If, if you were to call us and say we're full, but you're in immediate danger... We would, you would come here until we could help you find someplace else to go safe. If you're not in immediate danger, we would help you over the phone find someplace else to go. Okay. Uh, so it depends on your situation, uh, but safety is always primary. More, which brings uh, me, which, I'm sorry, which
2: brings me to my next question. Remember, you said they stay, what, 60 days?
3: can stay sometimes up to 60 days.
2: Okay. So let's say I'm that person, I stay uh, up to 60 days. Now what? What if you have this uh, intimate partner that you know once they find out where you are, they're going to come after you again? Then what would happen?
3: Well, if you're in that situation, we've been talking to you about whether you want to leave the area. Because... Uh, you're going to have to find housing someplace. So if you want to leave the area, we would work on it with you. Say you wanted to go to Massachusetts. We would help make that plan with you. Um, if you wanted to stay here in the city of Pittsburgh, we would make sh- help find housing that's not in the same neighborhood. It depends. Sometimes... There are occasions when the abuser is so dangerous that you need to leave town. And we can help you make that plan. The other thing is uh, you need, sometimes your mind doesn't always think of every option that's available to you when you're in a dangerous situation. And so that's why it's important to start talking to people early. We are not going to judge you. We are not going to think that anything about what you're doing or saying. We're only there because you reached out for help.
2: And what if, yes, you need to leave the area, but you're a person in poverty? How would that work?
3: Leaving the area may mean that you have to go to another shelter in another area, and they can help you get set up with benefits. I see. It it is difficult for people, say, with disabilities uh, to find housing that will fit the disability that they may have. And maybe there aren't any things that are uh, wheelchair-accessible right now. It may take a little longer, but it will happen. And that's the point I want to make. It just might take longer.
2: Now, you mentioned something earlier about these vignettes how you're going to add more faces, and one mm-hmm. of them that you mentioned uh, w- was children. So this is unbelievable, but there are children that are victims of domestic abuse, correct? Well,
3: children in the home can be, but then that turns into child abuse. Mostly what we work with are adults who have witnessed abuse in their home as children and the impact it had on them as children. But they're now adults and they're trying to cope, trying to heal from that womb. It is terrifying to be small child uh, in a home where your parents are fighting and you don't know what's going to happen to you. It is terrifying to think, maybe I caused them to be fighting. Maybe they were fighting because... My homework wasn't as good as they thought it should be. Uh, and now I think it's all my fault. So there's a lot of guilt when people become adults and they have lived in a home where there's violence that they need to talk to somebody about. They may also feel like, I didn't do enough to stop the violence. I could have done more. I should have done more. And and we need to work with people to understand that that's not their job as a child. Right. Wow. Well, listen, we're going to get ready to go to break, but two things.
2: First, you need to make a donation. I think you do. www.wcspittsburgh.org. That's W-C-S-P-I-T-T-S-B-U-R-G-H. Pittsburgh. -Pittsburgh W-C-S-Pittsburgh.org. Make a donation today, and one more time, the national hotline. 1-800-799-7233. We'll be back to close the show with Cheryl. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back.
0: the
4: experts call toll free right now 1-866-472-5787 and ask our all-star team to answer your question that's 1-866-472-5787 thank you for calling voiceamerica.com hi i'm greg grunberg from the tv show heroes
1: And www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated. Providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom, and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast.
4: All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com
1: If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender.
2: Hey everyone, welcome back. What a show. What a powerful show. If you did not get to hear this entire show, remember it's archived at BenderConsult.com voiceamerica.com and can be downloaded from iTunes or if you know someone you're saying oh my goodness I wish they heard the show remember vendorconsult.com voice engineer or I mean I'm sorry voiceamerica.com and if it isn't voiceamerica.com you go to iTunes and you can download this show so Cheryl I cannot imagine how much more you could do, I mean, you have already accomplished so much in your life. I have no doubt the impact you've had is more than most people could ever imagine. However, if you had to think of one thing that is your greatest accomplishment,
3: what would you say that is? Well, I s- thank you for saying all those things, and I'm assuming that you mean my work accomplishment. No, um, either. I I would have to say that um, the confidence that my staff has in me to be their leader, um, and it, and to be their leader for all of these years is my greatest accomplishment because. You can, you can have a vision, but if you don't have other people that are going to help carry out that vision, that vision's not going to go anywhere. And so I work with some of the most incredible people who are staff, volunteers, board members, community members, and my greatest accomplishment is that they have allowed me to say what I say and that they actually carry out things that make this community safer for everyone yeah
2: and you as you just said you can't do it you know you can't be a leader if you don't have followers Mm -hmm. so I can absolutely see why you would say that I don't know if anyone has ever asked you this question But, you know, does one person come to mind when you think of a great success story, or is that impossible because you know so many?
3: It's really impossible. I have many faces in front of me that um, I see when I think about, does this matter? So there are some that I've spent more time with than others over my career, but there are many faces. And the fun thing is, Joyce, that I would say is the faces change from the time I meet somebody. The first time they come for help, two weeks later, they're already starting to change. And so I don't know who they are anymore when I might see them out in the community. Um, So, no, I don't have one face. I have many faces, but I have people out there that come up to me and say, Thank you. You helped me years ago. And I I am just so honored and privileged by that.
2: Well, I, wow. I mean, I can't even imagine. I, I really cannot. How long has this shelter been here in Pittsburgh?
3: The shelter in Pittsburgh is 41 years old.
2: 41 years old. Mm-hmm. And isn't it a match, isn't it unbelievable that years before that, like, you know, even in the 60s and
3: probably in the 70s that people really did not talk about this? Yes. Yes, there wasn't even a word called domestic violence or intimate partner violence. It was... um the, the battered women's movement and the rape movement, uh, but particularly the battered women's movement, grew out of the civil rights movement when women started coming together to work on civil rights and realized that as women, they didn't have rights in their own home. And that's how shelters and, and this issue started to become a topic. is because women developed a voice to talk about, wait a minute, this is what's going on in our homes. We need to stop this. And what is shocking to me is that in 2015, there is still such a need for help.
2: Yeah. Yes, because I know when I grew up, I don't remember this being talked about at all. And I no doubt in my mind that in the uh, 60s and 70s, and certainly all the years before that, that this was going on. But, you know, it gets back to that same thing for people with disabilities. And you know what that is? Shame. What is that? Stigma.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Stigma. And so, uh, you know, we all got to work together to change that. Well, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today, Cheryl? Reach out for help.
3: There's a better life out there.
2: Reach out for help. Reach out for help. Wow. And I mean, if you're listening to the show now, that is the most important first step, to reach out. If you've been listening to our show today, we've had as our guest the CEO of the Women's Center and Shelter in Greater Pittsburgh, Cheryl Regan. It has been a pleasure to have you. I want to commend you for the work you do. Thank you, Joyce. And we end every show with a quote from someone that has impacted lives, and who knew that the star of Law and Order Special Victims Unit, Mariska Hargitay, would donate so much of her time helping women who have been violent, victims of violence and crime, as in her show. But with her, this is real. She really cares about us. So we're going to end with a quote from Mariska Hargitay, who said, healing takes time, and asking for help, is a courageous step. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week.
1: Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.